Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. This week, Pope Francis has been calling for unity, first between the Italian bishops and the Italian government, who clashed this week over reopening public masses. We'll also talk about the Pope's conversation with French President Emmanuel Macron in advance of a major meeting of European Union leaders. And we'll cover the Pope's call for Catholics to pray the rosary together for an end to coronavirus. I'm Colleen Dully. This is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from New York, Jerry. Good afternoon from Rome, Colleen. It's uh, been a little dull today in terms of the weather, but there's an, an atmosphere of... Uh, expectation and excitement as people are looking forward to. I see some of the stores cleaning up, getting ready for next week, because on the 4th, next Monday, the beginning of the easing of the lockdown starts, and it goes on until June 1, when it should be completed. So it's a whole month of phase by phase unlocking the country. Yeah, I'm I'm glad to hear that things are moving along for you because they're still they're they're not really moving forward very quickly here in the US. New York is still faced with a lot of cases right now and a lot of new cases. But you mentioned the easing of the lockdown in Italy and that brings us right into our first story. Buonasera a tutti. Inizia la fase 2. Grazie ai sacrifici fin qui fatti stiamo riuscendo a contenere la diffusione della pandemia. Um, Italian Prime Minister Giuseppe Conte has announced that Italy will transition into phase two and subsequent phases of its coronavirus lockdown. So first, like you said, on May the 4th, they'll be reopening the manufacturing and construction industries. And then that'll be followed uh, on May 18th by the libraries, museums and some some retail stores. And then there will be subsequent phases. But not included in those early reopenings were churches. And this caused some outcry from the Italian bishops. Jerry, I was I was trying to, you know, look through this story. And to me, on the outside, it looks pretty cut and dry, right? It looks like the Italian bishops want to be able to have mass and the government is saying it's not safe yet. Is it that simple or is there more to the story? Well, it's, it's complicated because, uh, yes, the... Prime Minister on Sunday night in a television broadcast said uh, uh, he people can go to attend funerals, but only 15 people, not more. But it has to be in the open air, not in the churches or any uh, religious or civic place. But he also did not include in that clearance the possibility of celebrating Mass again with, with uh, the presence of people, of uh, a normal congregation. Now, there's the background to this is that uh, the bishops had been the bishops, the leadership of the secretariat of the bishops conference, because the bishops are scattered throughout Italy, had been negotiating with the government. And one of the government ministers, the minister for the interior, which would be like home affairs, had uh, given an interview to the Italian Catholic papers suggesting that the government would, yes, reopen the possibility of people attending Mass. But the scientific committee had a problem because the age of the faithful who will go to the normal Sunday Mass 
in many, many places is on the upper age bracket. And the clergy are, by and large, elderly clergy. And so from the scientific point of view, these are groups at risk in this phase. An hour later, the prime minister's office made clear that they would that they wanted to reach an agreement with the bishops. But uh, it seems now, I, I've seen today, that uh, effectively they're moving towards an accord. But they're advocating where possible that the masses be said outside the churches in, in the open air. Hmm. I, I think that by the time we talk next week, they'll have worked out some agreement. So as they're having these conversations, these um, maybe negotiations between the bishops and the Italian government, is there any consideration being made for the regional differences? I know we've talked before about how the situation was a lot worse in the north of Italy than in the south, and it kind of seems to still be that way. It, it is that way. I mean, half the deaths have been in the region of Lombardy, uh, so which is the most economically uh, advanced part of the country, the the area which theoretically had the best structures, but uh, it suffered the most, and there was a lot of unpreparedness. And uh, of course, the, it may also be the fact that the there's a political element to it as well. But uh, no, right now they're not talking about regional differences. Mm, that's so interesting because that seems like an obvious place to start. Um, so back when the Pope's vicar for Rome announced that the churches in Rome would close when the pandemic first started reaching Rome, uh, Francis responded pretty quickly, and he made clear that he didn't want the church buildings to close even if masses were canceled. I'm wondering now that these discussions are happening about, uh, you know, reopening public masses or not, has has the Pope spoken out on this dispute? This It's very curious. This morning before I taste the beginning of mass, and of course, you, you know his masses now, you know how many people they follow? On television? Uh, I don't. One million. Wow. The last time I checked, it was half a million. It was half a million. It's now one million because the, the main channel, one of the Italian television carries uh, the Pope's Mass, and the Catholic channel uh, TV 2000 carries it. Mm -hmm. So one million people have quite And then, of course, all the media are watching it. And the Pope said this morning, in this time during which we're beginning to have the possibility of coming out of quarantine, let us pray that the Lord will give his people, that's us, mm -hmm. the grace of prudence and obedience to the instructions so the pandemic will not return. So he's calling for prudence and obedience to the instructions. Mm -hmm. And many read it as a kind of a, a kind of a giving a yellow card to the bishops here, you know, don't overreact. Wow. Yeah. It's um it's also striking that he frames this as as a grace, right? This is very important in like Ignatian prayer, you know, uh in the spiritual exercises, Ignatius tells you what grace you're asking for. And here the Pope is telling people to ask for the grace of being obedient to the instructions. Yeah, prudence and obedience. And I, I think a large part of the country would agree. Because there is a lot of fear. You've spoken about how it's it's likely that they'll, in true Italian style, reach an agreement between between the church and the government. Um, but I, I wonder what this kind of looks like to the Italians, that, that such a large institution like the church is clashing with the government during this time. Yeah, I don't think it's been a pretty sight to see on the headlines on the Monday morning's paper. You know, government moves to lockdown. 
the church clashes with the, with the government. Right. Because up to now, they really have worked hand in hand. And uh, the problem is that the question is also a bit politicized. But it's not just on the political right, but also on, on some of the left, left wing in the church, as it were, if you call it that. Well, who are you referring to? Let's, let's be more specific. Well, for example, the Northern League, which has been the anti-immigrant xenophobic group, have been right from the beginning. You must keep the churches open. And they've been trying to hit the government because of this. And some of the bishops have agreed with them. But then that the, some of the more progressive uh, communities like the Sant'Egidio have also been saying this from the, you might say, the opposite part of the political spectrum. Oh, is their perspective more something like um, keep them open so that, that like people who are living on the streets can have access to church buildings, that kind of thing? Well, uh, the founder of Sant'Egidio, Andrea Riccardi, right early on, when they closed the churches first, wrote an article in the Corriere della Sera, which is like the the main establishment paper here, mm-hmm. saying, you know, that throughout past, and he, he's a historian, throughout the past plagues and crisis, the churches weren't closed. And in fact, Francis later weighed in and said, no, no, you mentioned earlier, you know, let's have the churches open so people can pray, etc. But it's a different question when it comes to mass, because the churches will have to be disinfected if you've got a lot of people in. Mm-hmm. And this is going to cost money. And uh, money is something that's not floating around nowadays, with a lot of people out of work and where the money is. Uh, so it, it's it's complex. It's not an easy question. But there are, as I said, there are some political forces especially anti-government forces, the Northern League, have used this issue. All right, Jerry, well, we will keep our listeners uh, up to date on what happens with the Italian lockdown and whether the bishops and the Italian government are able to come to an agreement about uh, reopening masses here on Inside the Vatican, and they can follow your up-to-date coverage at americamagazine.org. For a second story, Pope Francis spoke with French President Emmanuel Macron last week to talk about the international response to the coronavirus crisis. Um, Jerry, you wrote in your story that these two leaders agreed on many things. What did they talk about in the call? Well, they talked about, uh, first of all, the global ceasefire. And this was the thing the Pope had advocated. He spoke on Easter Sunday, but earlier supporting the request of the Secretary General of the United Nations. And Macron is, is behind this. He said he, he, he completely agreed with the Pope on this. And so uh, that's important because, remember, France is one of the uh, members of the Security Council, UN Security Council also, and uh, also a big player in Europe, mm-hmm. in the European Union, which has some power as well. Mm-hmm. Secondly, they talked about the, the debt of poor countries and the need for reduction or cancellation. We spoke a bit, quite a bit about this, but they're obviously on the same page here. And uh, from there, Macron went and said about the importance of aid to Africa, something the Pope has wanted as well. And then they came to what was probably the most important issue, not saying the other three were not important, but uh, at the present moment, a vital issue is 
the meeting of the European heads of state, which was to take place two days afterwards, last Thursday, it took place. Yeah, Francis really had his eye on this meeting. Um, he had spoken about in his Easter Erbe at Orbe message about how EU leaders needed to work together to find innovative solutions. And then he also had this call with Macron two days before that meeting. Um, so what did they talk about as regards that? Well, basically, everybody seemed to agree that the meeting was a success because they had been haggling, arguing, fighting over whether there should be corona bonds, European bonds. And who would those bonds go to? What they have come up with in the end is something that came out of Germany, I think, originally, was the idea of a recovery fund to help all states. Now, the question is, what is in this recovery fund? The, the, the heads of state of the 27 European states, which counts for about maybe half a million people, they agreed that there should be a recovery fund, and they asked the European Commission, that's the supranational super commission, that's the, the body that is like the UN in, in terms of Europe. They've asked it, you drop the package, bring it back to us on May the 6th, and then we will take a decision. Now, the big question is, what is in that package? Is it going to mean real subsidies for the countries that are in difficulty to help them get their industry going, to help them relaunch their economies and therefore also their health system? Or will it be a debt that has to be paid back in 10, 15, 20, 25 years? It makes a big difference. And so we're waiting to see. We don't know yet what it will be. So they agreed to set up a fund, but it's not clear yet what's, what's going to be in that. And they have a second fund which they can use from right now, which states can draw on, especially to help in the health emergency. So they need money for medical staff or to buy equipment or anything that is directly linked to the health emergency. They can draw on this already. Mm -hmm. um, so they had this meeting and Francis had had, had kind of an interest in, in how this would turn out. Um, what's, what's the reaction to it been like in the Vatican? Well, Francis has big hopes for this meeting and he effectively told them, you know, this is a make or break situation. You either get it right or the, the union uh, could fragment. And that's how many people see it here because he sees the importance of multilateralism that no country can go it alone today. And the virus has proved this so effectively that nobody is safe and no country can is able to resolve it. There has to be solidarity between the countries, collaboration, working together for the overall good, not just simply for the national interest. And he sees that's the role of the European Union. And he, I think everybody was happy that Europe has taken a big step in the right direction. The question is, is the next step going to match the expectation? Yeah, it sounds like um, with this story about, um, you know, this EU meeting and the Pope's call with Macron and also um, in his his kind of comment uh, that many interpreted as being about the Italian bishops conference needing to work with the government. Um, it, it sounds like, you know, we see Francis over and over again, really stressing the importance of, of unity and of solidarity during this international crisis. So we will keep our listeners up to date on what 
that EU Commission decides, uh, they can find up-to-date coverage. Jerry, uh, probably on your Twitter is the best place to find that, at Jerry O'Rome on Twitter. Um, you've been keeping keeping your followers up to date there. For our last story, Pope Francis has urged Catholics across the world to come together to unify, as we were just talking about, to pray the rosary for the end of the coronavirus, especially in the month of May, which is one of the months traditionally devoted to Mary. Um, The Pope also wrote two new prayers for Catholics to pray specifically in this time of pandemic at the end of their rosary. The first is shorter. It's it's more directly placing our trust in Mary. And then the second one is a longer prayer with many petitions. Um, One thing that stood out to me, Jerry, was that there's a petition in the second prayer specifically for the redirection of military funds to healthcare. I'm wondering what stood out to you in this story? I think what stood out, first of all, is the Pope's desire that people come together to pray. He's been very clear that this is, yes, a health crisis, but it's also a question of where we're at spiritually. And especially we we talked about the need for solidarity, the need for making, as he said on that famous March the 27th, you know, it's a moment for choices. And he emphasizes the importance of prayer in helping us make the choices. In other words, in helping us to perhaps come out of this crisis with a new mentality. And uh, every morning he's celebrating this Mass, praying, praying with the people, praying for the people. And he's asking us in our own way, in our own homes, he said, either individually or in the family, to pray the rosary, to reflect. And it's part of this. Remember when he was re- started out to reform the Vatican, he said, we, we can make all the structures we want, but if we haven't reformed the minds, the spiritual side, these things will be meaningless. And I think he's, he's looking at this crisis in exactly these terms. There has to be the spiritual uh, renewal of people so that we can rebuild a new world which does not have the defects of the old world. And I, I think this is what an end is also reminding people that, you know, God is the Lord of history. And we have to recognize this and we have to uh, talk to the Lord of history and ask his, his assistance. I, I'm sometimes thinking that the Pope must have Newman, Cardinal Newman, now saint in mind. You know, his famous hymn, Lead Kindly Light, amid the encircling gloom, lead thou me on. I, I, I feel that the Pope is reminding people there is this deeper dimension. This is a moment when you've been forced to sit, be quiet, listen, and he say, pray. He sees this at a moment for the transformation of humanity from within, not just externally. Yeah, it feels like this really gets straight to the heart of what we talk about when we talk about Francis's different calls for conversion. And that's, you know, conversion of structures, yes, but it comes from this conversion of heart, right? This is something that we talked about a lot with the, especially the sexual abuse crisis, where, you know, people were asking, well, why isn't he pushing for more structural changes right away? And it was, well, he wanted everyone to come to Rome and listen to survivors and have their hearts changed, right? And in this this same way, we're seeing him make these, you know, big calls for redirecting military funds and kind of, you know, building a new type of society. But 
this comes from a, a first conversion of heart that comes from this type of prayer that comes from, you know, really examining ourselves spiritually. And it seems like Francis sees this moment in history as, as a time for both of those. All right, Cherry, I think that that probably does it for our show this week. Um, really appreciate the chance to get to talk to you and, and hear your perspective on all these stories. Thanks. Good. Thank you. Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. This week's episode was produced by Tucker Redding. Inside the Vatican is mixed by Noah Levinson. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org or follow us on Twitter at I-N-S-D-E Vatican Pod. That's inside without the second I. You can also email us your questions at insidethevatican at americamedia.org. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Belly. We'll see you next time. 